Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. What is important to me? Is it important that I buy the biggest house available or is it about buying a house in a neighborhood that feels safe? And that's what's important to me. Or is it about having the newest car? Or is it really important to me maybe that I buy a used car that I think is going to take really great care of my family so that I'm not, you know, creating another vehicle? Is what is actually the most important thing to me? Is like where am I shopping? What brands am I supporting? Am I growing my own food? Who am I buying my food from? What kind of clothes am I wearing? Were they made in sweatshops? Is that important to me to prioritize that? And it's really just these little things about being actively engaged in what's going on in your life versus sort of sleepwalking through these decisions of, well, I've always lived here and I've, or I've always done this work or my parents always ate that food. I don't, I don't really know how to cook, I guess. And, you know, well, this is the school closest to us. That's where I'm going to send my kids. I think it's really important to be actively engaged in those choices and align them with, with what is uniquely important and what your priorities are. And we live in a society that doesn't support that. You know, when we, I mean, Nate, pick something, right? You know, say we've got a parent who says, you know, I really don't want my kids to eat dairy. It's likely that a lot of the other parents in that that child's world is going to give them pushback. They're going to criticize them. Maybe that kid gets, you know, pushback because they're the only kid not drinking dairy milk at school or something, you know. So it, it can be tricky. It's so much easier to conform and to not speak up or to, to stand up for something or to live in alignment with your values because it's likely that you'll receive criticism, pushback, and likely from people who love you because they're often attached to your old habits or your old priorities, which included them. And if you shift and say, actually, my kids are going to go to school over here. Actually, I'm going to be a vegan or, you know, I've just decided we're going to get a tiny house. You know, people are going to push away from that. that care about you and often criticize and be disappointed in a way that's hurtful. So I would say it, you really have to go into this saying, what is truly important to me? And just be aware that people around you who might be critical, it's only because they love you and because they're scared of losing belonging with you or relationship with you that they might be critical of that. But there's no better way to live, in my opinion, than to be actively building a life designed around those values and those priorities that are uniquely yours versus what you're supposed to be wanting. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com.
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Kathleen, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm literally thrilled to be here. Yeah, it is really cool to have you here. So, you know, I came across your story because you wrote in um, and based on everything you told me and having watched your TEDx speech, I knew that there would be a really amazing story here and I was very intrigued. So I want to start by asking you, what did your parents do for a living and what impact did that end up having on the choices that you've made with your life and your career? Oh, it's such a good question. So, all right. So my mom uh, was a special ed teacher for a high school, for public high school for the better part of 30 years. She just retired this summer in June. So we're very excited for her. And my dad is still working and he is, his official title is a project 
excuse me, a product manager for a wholesale distributor of uh, heating and cooling and refrigeration system. So basically his responsibilities are training, marketing, sales, sort of relationships, right, with vendors and clients and things like that. And it's really tricky to answer, you know, how what they did professionally has impacted my choices because they were the kind of people specifically, you know, growing up around the dinner table who didn't bring work home. You know, it wasn't a family where I knew my mom's coworkers or what my dad's projects were or something like that. They never really made their professional world like anything that as kids that we really knew about or that we had to be concerned with or anything. But, you know, one thing, that honestly, like the decisions that I've made in my life really come from the way that I was brought up and the values that they had and the things that they prioritized, you know, as far as life experiences, relationships with, you know, both professional and personal, that was something that was really evident that they both really prioritized. And I think that's why they were so successful and why they've had such great relationships, again, both professional and and personal in their lives. And they were just, they really prioritized life experiences, education, and being aware that, anything that you're going to do. My dad always said to us, like, if it's going to be, it's up to me that we were, you know, responsible for the things that we wanted in life that no one was going to, you know, come and hand us anything. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, a couple of questions come from that. I mean, I, I love the idea of, of, you know, responsible for the things that, uh, you want in your life. And, you know, at the same time, like, I feel like so many people feel victimized by their circumstances and I'm wondering how you move from feeling victimized to taking responsibility. Yeah, I think it's really easy to feel like a victim of your circumstance when you're stuck in either a specific environment or in that specific circumstance. I think sometimes it's really important to grab perspective, not to think, oh, other people have it harder than me or people who have come from more challenging situations have succeeded, you know, or maybe that's really helpful. But I would say that it's really just about coming back to the fact that You have to take 100% responsibility for your life. And you also have to remember that life is happening for you, not to you, right? So thinking I'm a victim, I have it rough, I can't do those things, I don't have the money, I don't have the connections, I don't have the insert thing, right? You know, I'm not, I'm I'm a victim to my circumstance. I think that that just comes from a scarcity and a lack mentality. And it also comes from not taking full responsibility for your life and also believing that life is happening to you. Like, why did this happen to me? This is so unfair, you know, versus realizing that it's our, you know, the shadows of our life, the unfortunate things that either come in or the sadnesses or the challenges that we face that are actually our opportunities to grow So if you can just pivot from life is happening to me and I'm a victim of that, I'm a victim of those circumstances and shift to, you know, life is happening for me. Why did this come in? Why did I, you know, lose this job or why did I, you know, why did this thing happen to me? What am, what is it here to teach me Hmm. and taking responsibility for that? I think that in our society, we, you know, and, and for so many ways we are pointing the blame, pointing our fingers at other people or the government or the weather or the economy or our parents, you know, or whatever it is. And I think it's really important to take full on responsibility for both the good and the like quote bad things that come in so that you can start shifting away from, I'm a victim of my circumstance. Mm. You know, I think I really appreciate the the notion of, of, you know, what is this thing that has happened here to teach me? Um, it's, you know, like I've been going back through Tony Robbins personal power too, and he has a, 
an entire section where he talks about you know the power of the questions you ask and how they shift the focus of your mind, even if the questions have no basis in reality. But just by asking that one simple question about even a, a situation that you don't find particularly um, you know enjoyable or, or is not to your liking, you actually end up getting a lot more benefit from it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's it really is just about perspective. I think when it comes down to it, it is that perspective. I'm a huge follower of Tony Robbins and his teaching. I completely respect like anything he's saying. And I agree, you know, it is just about shifting your perspective about and and the the meaning that you assign to things. That's another thing that we tend to do is we assign meanings to events, circumstance, experiences that don't serve us, that disempower us and do turn us into sort of a victim attitude about things. Mm -hmm. So one of the other things that you brought up um, was this shift from, you know, scarcity to abundance. Uh, and one, I'm curious how you've done that in your own life and, you know, when people are wrestling with that, how they do it in theirs. Yeah. Beautiful question. You know, I think when it comes to shifting from scarcity to abundance, you know, we live in this world of just marketing and, and the news and stuff like that coming at us about all of the scarcity, you know, that, (laughs) you know, I I think it was, I forget who it was. I think David Nagel said, you know, like if someone came on the news and said that like oxygen was going out of style, people would start doing really crazy stuff because when people feel like there's not enough or that water's running out or there's not enough money, or there's like this, um, there's this scarcity, people sort of act crazy. You know, like when you go on, you know, Expedia and you want to buy an airplane ticket, you're like thinking about a vacation. And all of a sudden it says like one ticket left at this price, all of a sudden, you know, it's your most favorite vacation. You have to go. You must find the money, you know. And I think when we operate from that place of buying into either legitimate or uh, fabricated scarcity in order to sway our behavior one way or the other, we'll do crazy things that are not in alignment with our values, with our best interests. And, you know, and it's the first step is just being aware of that. You know, is this true? I think we also live in a space right now where time is one of our most valuable commodity, but something that people feel like is always running out. There's not enough of it. They're so busy. They wish there were more and more hours in the day. You know, we've got that language, you know, in our dialogue about I'm busy, I'm overwhelmed, you know, things like that. And I think it's really important to remember that if that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy, when we talk about there not being enough time or always running out of time, or, you know, I can't afford that. And we use these very disempowering words and terminology and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, our brain picks up on that, you know, your wish is my command. And I think it's really as simple as doing something like, you know, reminding yourself there is exactly enough time for what I need to get done. It'll always work itself out. Everything is going to be okay. And the way that I think you should shift that is it's a reconditioning. I think you have to be patient with yourself because we've been, you know, we've spent a lifetime of conditioning of that language of there's not enough time. I can't afford that. Not right now, you know, or I don't know enough. I don't have enough. I'm not enough, you know, like these really disempowering things that we say either to ourselves or in even casual commiserating conversations. So I think it's important one to acknowledge that that's what's going on and then just be aware that you do have to actively take a role in shifting that. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be like, oh, I read this self-help book and now all of a sudden I just notice abundance and I see money coming at me and opportunities coming my way. But it will become it will become that if you intentionally look for it. If you intentionally hear yourself say, oh, I'm too busy. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money for that. And say, I'm just choosing not to buy that right now. Or 
time always expands for me. There's always exactly enough time. I, I love how there's always enough time. The most important thing is realizing at first your brain is going to say, you're a liar. There's not enough money in the bank. Like you're just saying these crazy woo-woo mantra things. But really, it is about noticing what you do have and noticing, oh my gosh, that was so nice that that I don't know, server at the restaurant brought me a drink without me having to ask for it. That was really wonderful. Or, well, I got this really beautiful card in the mail. Or that was so nice of my friend to pick up lunch. Or, wow, I just got this check for $8, a refund from my insurance company or something. And seeing what is there instead of what isn't. And that's a reprogramming. That's a reconditioning of your mind of what to notice. You know, we always tend to recycle and regurgitate crap. You know, we'll say, oh God, like this jerk when I was driving here, he almost killed me because he, you know, he doesn't, you know, he apparently doesn't know how to drive, you know, and then we not only live that, then we regurgitate it to someone in our family and then we relive it again, you know, and I think it's being really conscientious of regurgitating and repeating the good things that happen. Like, oh my God, someone just used my affiliate. I just got 20 bucks. That's awesome. Or I finished this early. I have so much time. I love how, you know, I have all this time and I think... It's so important to recognize that abundance comes in different things. It comes in generosity and kindness and compliments. Um, and sometimes it does come in money, you know, and sometimes that money comes through clients and through our business. And oftentimes it comes through unexpected checks in the mail or a friend, you know, paying for our flight or picking up lunch. And I think it's really important to notice all of those things, even when your brain says, yeah, but, you know, and it is a reconditioning. It's important to be gentle with yourself, but it's, it changes your life when you can program yourself to pick up on all the good stuff that is happening because then you feel so you feel abundant. You feel so like, wow, God, life is really happening in such a cool way. And even if it's the smallest things, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing that you, you brought up was um, values and priorities. And I want to spend a bit of time talking about that. Um, one, you know, how did you figure out what yours were as a, as a byproduct of the experiences that you had? And then how did you prioritize them accordingly? And how do other people do it? Oh, so many great questions. And they're awesome. So I talk about values and priorities constantly. And, you know, I think, again, we've been conditioned since, let's say childhood to download these very specific giving, depending on where you live in the world, what your culture is, you know, the, the beliefs of your parents, and the school systems, maybe that you, you were part of. Generally, we download this very basic value set, right? Get good grades, get into good school, get good job, marry someone who's really nice, don't get into debt, y yada, 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 right? And that's cool. Like that, I mean, I think people who would have taught us those things had our best interest in mind. But I think, unfortunately, systems of, of very blanketed, boring, <laughs> vague values like that create a lot of people who are not questioning, in fact, what are my values? And what what is truly important to me? Is it important for me to go to college or to be a creative or to travel the world? Is it important to me to eat this kind of food or to buy locally from a farmer or to eat non-GMO or it, you know, it doesn't really matter what the topic is, like all the different buckets of our life. But I think it's so incredibly important. I talk a lot of, about this and I, I, I mentioned this in my TED talk. I believe that when we're living intentionally, which I describe as actively participating in the creation of a life and a lifestyle that is in alignment with one's values and priorities, that's true freedom. That's when we can truly experience both freedom in our own mind because we're fulfilled by the things in our life, whether they're the relationships, the work the home, the children, whatever th those things are. But also we create 
what freedom is to us by doing that, by actively saying, this is my value. These are my priorities. It's really important to me that my kids get this education. It's really important to me that I do work that matters every single day. You know, it is a huge priority of mine to, for example, not eat animal products or something like that. And I think it really comes down to you know, asking yourself what is truly important to me and then having the courage and the wisdom to build your life around the answer. So as far as how can other people discover what those values and priorities are, I think it really comes down to the most basic questions of what is important to me? Is it important that I buy the biggest house available or is it about buying a house in a neighborhood that feels safe? And that's what's important to me. Or is it about having the newest car? Or is it really important to me maybe that I buy a used car that I think is going to take really great care of my family so that I'm not, you know, creating another vehicle? Is what is actually the most important thing to me? Is like where am I shopping? What brands am I supporting? Am I growing my own food? Who am I buying my food from? What kind of clothes am I wearing? Were they made in sweatshops? Is that important to me to prioritize that? And it's really just these little things about being actively engaged in what's going on in your life versus sort of sleepwalking through these decisions of, well, I've always lived here and I've, or I've always done this work or my parents always ate that food. I don't, I don't really know how to cook, I guess. And, you know, well, this is the school closest to us. That's where I'm going to send my kids. I think it's really important to be actively engaged in those choices and align them with, with what is uniquely important and what your priorities are. And we live in a society that doesn't support that. You know, when we, I I mean, Nate, pick something, right? You know, say we've got a parent who says, you know, I really don't want my kids to eat dairy. It's likely that a lot of the other parents in that that child's world is going to give them pushback. They're going to criticize them. Maybe that kid gets, you know, pushback because they're the only kid not drinking dairy milk at school or something, you know. So it, it can be tricky. It's so much easier to conform and to not speak up or to to stand up for something or to live in alignment with your values because it's likely that you'll receive criticism, pushback, and likely from people who love you because they're often attached to your old habits or your old priorities, which included them. And if you shift and say, actually, my kids are going to go to school over here. Actually, I'm going to be a vegan or, you know, I've just decided we're going to get a tiny house. You know, people are going to push away from that. that care about you and often criticize and be disappointed in a way that's hurtful. So I would say it, you really have to go into this saying, what is truly important to me? And just be aware that people around you who might be critical, it's only because they love you and because they're scared of losing belonging with you or relationship with you that they might be critical of that. But there's no better way to live, in my opinion, than to be actively building a life designed around those values and those priorities that are uniquely yours versus what you're supposed to be wanting. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know one of the things that uh, you and I talked about um, prior to this conversation is that you and your husband, uh, I believe, had a different set of values in certain areas. And I'm curious how you resolve that when it's somebody as, as you know, as close as a partner to you. Yes, absolutely. So just a little bit of background on the values of, that my husband and I originally had. We weren't married when we had these different values. And, you know, we're we're total black and white polar opposites uh, now in everything except values. So this is a very interesting, uh, interesting thing to talk about. So I though I definitely came from a family that valued education and getting a good job and having good insurance and a 401k, I fell a little farther from the tree than that. And I wanted to live everywhere in the world. I wanted to speak different languages. I just couldn't envision myself sitting in 
in a, at a desk, you know, from nine to five. And I'm a couple years younger than my husband. And we met in school when I was actually 18, which is cr- crazy to think about that. And we were just friends for like six years before anything ever happened. But he, you know, finished, finished school way ahead of me, got a job, started climbing the corporate ladder, was making phenomenal money for someone in their young 20s. And he would say things to me like, well, you just don't understand yet. Like when you get out of school, you'll understand you got to put money in your 401k. You've got to hustle, hustle, hustle. And you can, then you can retire when you're 45. And I was like, ugh gag. That sounds so awful. And so what happened is I graduated from school, from my undergrad program. And instead of getting a job, which would have been the really, I guess, responsible thing to do, expected thing to do, I bought a one-way ticket to Costa Rica to be certified officially to teach ESL. And then I lived there for about a year and a half. I had my own apartment, my own cell phone, my own job, you know, bank accounts. I I was living there. And then the recession hit. And I had to make a big decision. Am I going to stay here and potentially drain my savings and try and find a job and scrape together enough hours to pay my rent? Or at the end of this lease, am I going to move back into with my parents, you know, in Chicago? And the funny thing that happened was uh, this guy who is now my husband, again, we had just been friends for about six years. He had been transferred all over being promoted and whatnot. And he was at that point working and living in Chicago, which was really crazy. And he decided like, Hey, by the way, I'm in love with you. He tells the story very differently, but that's basically what happened. And we decided to start playing house and I got a nine to five job and it was horrible. But what happened in that space is he had spent at this point, almost seven years working for this company, giving them everything, putting massive money into his 401k. And when the recession hit, his 401k basically disappeared. And then he was making too much money. And they were like, you've got to go. So he's like, here I am hustling, hustling, hustling. Everyone else is studying abroad and doing all these responsible things and irresponsible things in their twenties or whatever. And here I was thinking that this is what I was supposed to be doing. So what happened in that moment is he decided never again, am I going to allow a company or a business to dictate my worth, to have so much control uh, on my life. And thank goodness that happened again, because life is happening for us and not to us in that moment, you would think maybe it was happening to me. This is horrible. But um, he was able to get beyond that and to do some soul searching and realize that maybe life is about more than just making a lot of money and having nice things and being able to retire when you're young. And so what happened for us is that we we ultimately, I couldn't deal with, I couldn't deal with working a nine to five job, quit the nine to five job a couple years later, after about three years, we both agreed that that was uh, what we were going to do. And we ended up selling everything, saving like crazy. And we ended up traveling nomadically for two years, which included a cross country bike trip and all this stuff. And over that time, we really had to evaluate what is important to us. What do we really want? And now we live this life of uncompromising values of every decision we make is based around our own health and our own well-being, whether it's the food that we eat, the food that we grow, the the meditating, the exercising, et cetera, you know, where we live, being really close to nature. And secondary, everything that we do has an impact on on the environment. You know, so we now live our whole house. We just recently remodeled. He's an incredible woodworker. He's an incredibly talented handyman and creative. And he's we've remodeled the entire house with, you know, finishes that are as as eco-friendly, as non-toxic as humanly possible. And, And every single thing that we do from the food to the clothes, to the environment, to the car, everything that we do is based around our values that we want to be healthy. We want to be good. Uh, community members and that we want to take care of this this planet that we live on. Right. And so that's the journey of what happened for us. And 
to answer your question about what do you do when, you know, maybe your partner or someone who's really important to you in your life and you don't have similar values, I think that that really comes down to you being really brutally honest with yourself about what is so important to you. What are your non-negotiables? What what are your deal breakers, your game, you know, your game changers and you know what in what ways can you compromise without compromising your integrity with yourself, I think is really important. So, um, fortunately I was in a situation where, you know, the world sort of did its thing, the universe did its thing to help us align. And that's why we're still together, obviously. But I think, you know, for me, for example, like I'm totally plant-based and if I was in a relation and we, and we did that together, that wasn't a lifelong thing, you know, for me, if I were dating or something for me, it would be a, a, deal breaker if that person was still eating animals, for example. But I know a lot of militant vegans, for example, who have partners who still eat that way and they love each other tremendously and that's fine for them. So I think it really comes down to you knowing what is what is really important to me? What am I looking for in a partner? And what can we work around? Can we love each other around this? Can we compromise and still have a relationship of respect? Uh, or and do I maybe get my needs met for this hobby or that belief or this value set through friends, community, family members, and maybe just not in my intimate relationship? Um, or is this just not you know going to work? And I think it's really just about being honest with yourself and not compromising. Mm-hmm. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. 
it's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So tell me about the bike trip and um, how it kind of changed your perspective on things. And, and you know, wh what impact did that have on the way that you viewed human behavior and relationships? Uh, what, how did that change the way that I view human relationships? Okay, so about the bike trip, we... All right, I, I love the bike trip. I was actually just riding my bike this morning, which is really funny. So, okay, so the bike trip, we decided to ride our bikes across the U.S. We followed a trail, which I have to clarify is not actually a trail. It's more of like a route, like a designated route. We weren't on, you know, like limestone trails. We were actually on roads with big cars. Uh, and it, the trail takes us from Virginia to Oregon. It's, I think it's 10 states, about 5,000 miles. And we did it in five months. It doesn't take five months, but we were doing it to sort of see the country slow down. And if we got to a place that we really liked, we'd stay. If we were really exhausted or it was snowing, we'd slow down, you know. And one thing about the bike trip that you should know is that uh, I wasn't a cyclist. Neither of us were cyclists. Brock was really into long distance things in 2011. Brock's my husband. He actually threw hiked the Appalachian Trail, and he always had this vision of us riding our bikes across the U.S., and I just sort of went along with it, and we had to go buy bikes and all of the gear, and we had to learn about how to how to do all of this. I mean, he's really into gear and equipment, so, I mean, I was really confident there, but as far as actually riding my bicycle 5,000 miles, it's just, just an incredibly crazy thing, so I'd say some big lessons from that were it's 90% mental, first of all, like, like even, you know, riding my bike over like 11,000 foot passes, it's all mental. What we can't, what we think we can and can't do is all, as far as I'm concerned, almost all in our brains. So there's that. The other thing about the bike trip that I will say that I think further answers your question, that actually answers your question is I was mind blown by the generosity of total strangers across the entire United States. I would say if the bike trip did one thing, it really restored my faith in humanity because I think there's so much going on, so much sadness and just bad things in the world. And we had people um, from every denomination of church, of faith, let us sleep in their basement, let us sleep in their backyard, let us shower, uh, brought us food from the garden, rescued us when there was literally nowhere to stay or when we busted, uh, God, we busted, Brock's chain got busted two days before his 30th birthday in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky on a Sunday when nothing was open. There was a woman who drove us uh, to a Walmart to get tools. I mean, like 60 miles away. And I mean, I could go on, right? But I would say it was unbelievable the generosity that we experienced and it, I mean, it was incredible. And then just as far as the environment, just being so dependent in such a basic way of where are we getting food? Where are we finding shelter? Where are we finding water? It really just brought me to a place that I had never been as far as the basics in life, right? I feel like everything else is just sort of this shiny, excessive stuff. 
But when we're literally sleeping in a tent, making sure we've got food and that we have clean water or a way to clean water to clean, you know, water that we can sterilize, right? You know, it, it really brings you back to nature, to our own, our own nature, as far as survival skill and survival mode and things like that. And just as far as, yeah, as far as it impacted, you know, my beliefs and stuff like that, it, it really inspired us to be minimalist. You know, we were carrying everything we needed, including a computer and my cell phone and cameras and then food sleeping clothes and a way to cook the food on two bikes. And we're like, holy, you know, holy crap. Like if we can survive on this for five months, why did we need, you know, a whole closet full of all this expensive clothing and these, this fancy stuff. So, you know, it really influenced just being more okay with being more minimalistic, not being so, so dependent on things. And also just really open my eyes to the generosity of people and how we are more similar than we all probably realize. So, you know, one of the things that um, struck me in the TEDx talk was you, you told a story of a friend who made one sort of intentional change that created this sort of ripple effect. And um, I would love for you to talk about what one, what that was, what the ripple effect was and how people create those kinds of intentional changes in their own lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the story that you're referring to, I love it, was I was talked about a friend who she just decided that she was going to eat better and she wasn't going to wait until all of the current food in the fridge ran out that she was just going to go organic and she was going to get organic spices and organ all this organic food. And she was just going to start eating better. And ultimately, lo- I mean, long story short was her small choice there, uh, to begin eating better, to begin eating more organic foods and really be conscientious of non GMOs and pesticides and herbicides and things like that going into her body immediately started decreasing inflammation. She started having better energy. She started losing weight. And as a, a beautiful side effect of this, she was recognized at work. She was happier and more fun to be around. And she ultimately ended up becoming, you know, being in a relationship with somebody and that she, you know, that she was really happy to do. And, and it really all started with her making this like one small shift of I'm going to eat more organic foods. I'm going to eat more plant-based organic foods. And that it was her energy, her, you know, the way that she was showing up, the inflammation in her body. So she wasn't exhausted and in pain. And that, that, that showed up both in her professional life and that it was recognized and that she was asked to do more there. And that she also, it also shifted her social, her social life and her confidence about herself and all of these things. And I think it is really, really important to realize that we all look at, I don't know, people doing cool things or doing things that we wish we could do and think, I have no idea how I could get from here to there. I can't see it. I can't understand it. You know, I don't, I don't know the how. And I think that the how is, I mean, the how kills more dreams, you know, than fear, you know, almost than fear ever did, you know, or maybe they're the same, but I I really believe that if you can realize that the first step is identifying that what I want to, I don't know, live in a tiny house. I want to be a location independent. I want to have the partner of my dreams and really being honest with yourself that that's what you want, regardless of how will that ever happen? I'm overweight. I don't make enough money. I work seven days a week, whatever. My kids like their schools. I don't know. You know, it it is really important to just put it up there and declare it both for yourself and for the universe or whoever, you, you know, whoever your bigger power is that you believe in to hear it, you know, because 
you, you, you can't get where you're going unless you've decided where you're going. You know, there, you have no chance of getting there if you haven't designated a destination. So it's really important to say, this is what I want. And I'm willing to take one little baby step at a time, you know? So whether it's putting a date on a calendar or signing up for a class or going back to school or ask, you know, deciding I'm going to, you know, pitch my boss. Can I be location independent or, I don't know. I'm going to start going on more dates or I'm going to, you know, instead of trying to get to the gym seven days a week, cause I know I'll fail and then I'll be mad at myself. I'm going to start walking three days a week and then I'll start running through, you know, one day and walking three. It's really important to just start making these micro adjustments and these micro decisions. And there are time for quantum leaps. Don't get me wrong. But I think when you're in a place where you're like, I literally can't fathom, I can't wrap my head around how I can get from current situation present state to desired state, it's so important to just put one baby foot in front of the other one baby step in front of the other, because that builds your confidence, it builds your momentum. And it gives you the courage and the confidence to do the bigger things to take the bigger leaps to hand in that letter of resignation to, you know, negotiate location independence, what, you know, whatever your thing might be. It's so important to realize that those little baby steps of putting it on the calendar, making it real, telling a friend about it, that though that's that's so important because you have no idea what those action steps might in fact pro, you know provide you with. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I always uh, say is, you know, it, it's a bit like standing in two different spots in the same room. The moment you take the first step, the view changes. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I love that. <laughs> Knowing all of that, what do you think it is that often paralyzes people um, from taking that first step? You know, I mean, even though they could have heard everything you've just said, but sometimes they still, you know, seem paralyzed. I think it's about permission. And I think it's about, I think permission would be the biggest one. Yeah, I would say it's about permission. You know, I have a belief that, you know, so much of what we believe we're capable of or not capable of, I think comes from when we're really little, you know, I mean, psychologists and, you know, have proven that that so much of what we experience before the age of seven, we make it mean things about us for the rest of our lives. And I think that we do live in a place and a space right now where people are, or kids are being told, you know, what would the other boys and girls think if they knew that you did that or I don't see anybody else here dressed like that. You know, you look ridiculous that we're really conditioned to fit in to not, you know, to be worried about what the other quote boys and girls think of us. And then when you live a whole life like that of I need to fit in, I need to not stand out or draw attention to myself, piss anyone off, offend anyone make things complicated for myself. When it comes to doing something big, starting a business, changing your business, I mean, that's really scary. Uh, you know, moving, building a house, going tiny, something cool, right? There's going to be definitely that judgment of others, but, but we have to first give ourselves permission to do the things that we want to do. And I think a lot of people are waiting for permission from external sources, like their parents, their colleagues, their partner, and until you really truly realize that you're in fact the only person who can grant you the permission that you're seeking, you're not going to move. You're not going to take those steps. And if you do, you're going to find what I would call self-protecting behaviors or circumstances coming in. Some people will call it self-sabotage, but I think it's often self it's, it, it really is about protection because of the ways that our, our brain is designed. Our brain is designed to keep us safe from the, you know, the saber tooth tiger. And, and if we have a story or belief that this is unsafe, other people will judge me. I might lose money. I might lose love. I might lose belonging. 
scary, 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 you're not going to take a step. So I think you have to realize that you either need to one, recondition those beliefs that I will in fact still be safe. What is that worst case scenario thing and how likely is it? You know, but also you are the only person who can grant yourself the permission slip to in fact move in the direction of the thing that you want most. And if you're waiting for other people's approval, other people's permission forget it, you know, just, just sit on the couch and and eat your potato chips. It's not going to happen. You have to realize you are, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And, and that there is going to be judgment, but remember that a lot of the time, those people that are judging you or maybe seemingly disappointed or confused by your choices, it's often because they love you and they want you to be safe. And it's just showing up in really strange ways. And it's your life. You are the only person who has to wake up with yourself every day and explain, you know, what's going on and be either content or, or satisfied. So it really, to me, it really comes down to granting yourself permission to, move in the direction of that, of, of which you want most of your, of your values and priorities. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, I think that makes a, a perfect setup, uh, to, you know, spend the rest of our time talking about this whole idea of social entrepreneurship and, you know, how it sort of became a part of your mission and, and, and what you do, like, and what, what was the drive behind it that, you know, led to this being such a big part of your own values? Okay, awesome. I'm so excited. We're going to talk about this. So the journey here has been really interesting. So professionally for about the last the three years or so, I've been life and business coaching women entrepreneurs to get their businesses off the ground. And earlier this year, well, I would say it started really when the the political climate started getting really kind of scary to me about this time last year, a little bit earlier, I started really realizing I'm such a nerd about about conscious companies, about social responsibility. I love it. And I, to this point, was not including it in my brand. I wasn't speaking up about it in my professional space. And I literally geek out over this stuff. I mean, it's like mildly embarrassing. I get so excited. I even like convinced Patagonia headquarters to give me a tour of their headquarters a couple of years ago when we were travel blogging, actually. So, I mean, I'm a nerd in the best sense of this. And I realized that I have this platform and an amount of influence. And then if I'm not using that platform to drive solutions to social and environmental issues, like I'm part of the problem. Like if I'm not part of the solution, I'm part of the problem. And I think as far as the terminology, you know, social entrepreneur, there's a lot of different ways that that can be observed or defined. And I don't think anyone is, you know, has decided this is the exact definition. But I have this belief that in the personal brand space, authors, speakers, coaches, consultants, information product creators, that there's this untapped, this totally untapped space of using your platform and and your personal brand to, in fact, advance solutions for a social and environmental challenges. And I, you know, I just felt like I have to do something about this. You know, don't get me wrong. I loved life and business coaching women entrepreneurs. I, I mean, it's literally helped me create the life that I currently have. I have some of the most amazing relationships. I've had some of the most incredible opportunities because of, because of the work that I've been doing, but I just felt like I need to be doing more. I need to be doing more. And, and I really care about this stuff. I really have my finger on the pulse of what the industries are doing as far as social responsibility, how they're weaving it into their brand. And, and I think we see things like 
you know, I'll give a couple of examples. You know, I think big business, whether they truly care or not, you know, are doing a lot of things right. Like, you know, we've seen Coors Light, the beer this past summer, they had a huge marketing campaign where they were encouraging their consumers to recycle their beer cans. They had beautiful marketing about how all 22 million beers that they produce every year is produced 100% by solar energy, 100% by the sun. They talked about how they have no waste breweries. They were talking about how they were making uh, coolers from recycled billboards and how important it is to recycle, you know, and then there's this really cool uh, movie theater, just as another example that they're really cool. They like serve food. I think they've got like 72 locations across the U S I'm not coming up with their name right now. And they do all kinds of really cool, socially conscious things in their local community. Like if you bring in a, a canned food item, you get a free ticket to a movie and they recently had a food drive and they, they raised over like 17,000 pounds or something of food, you know, so there's, there's these bigger companies that are doing really cool things and they're letting their audience, their consumers, their clients know about it. And I just feel like there's this untapped space with personal brands that don't have big offices or supply chains that they can make these, these more socially responsible conscious shifts. There's got to be a better way. You know, there's got, there's got to be something that they can in fact do. And I just see I just have this very idealistic vision or mission that I want all personal brands to embrace social entrepreneurship in some way. And to me, that's about using their personal brand to, to bring awareness and attention to an issue or multiple issues that are, that are individually uniquely important to them. And I'm not here to say what that should be to me. I like, you know, I've kind of alluded to it. I'm really worked up about plant-based eating as a holistic approach to saving the world and everybody's health, you know, but also the environment, feminism, the God, the textile industry. I've got a lot of things I'm really worked up about, but I think it doesn't matter what you choose, whether it's sex trafficking or poverty or sweatshop labor or black lives matter or the transgender band or Puerto Rico, like literally having no electricity, it's time to use your platform to educate your, your followers and truly lead by directing them to make a different decision, to make a different purchasing choice, to donate here, to show up like this, to be involved in their community and to really use your values and bring them to your branding and to, to your platform in a way that that literally changes the world and creates a bigger impact through your, like through your brand and through your business. And I think it's, it's the new business as usual, right? Like, I mean, if I have to whip out the statistics, you know, like one study over the course of 15 years showed that in, in the marketplace, conscious companies are outperforming profit only companies 14 to one, right? In the, in 2015, we've got a statistic that shows 66% of people surveyed said that they would spend a little more to have a sustainable product or brand. So, I mean, this is the way that things are going. And I just am here to really start the conversation so that personal brands and leaders can truly step up in a way that feels really good to them and really enables their following to literally to be mobilized into action for one thing or another uh, and really truly be leaders in a way, in, in a time when we really need hyper local radical personal responsibility uh, to change the world because often leadership in our government right now is not making a lot of the changes that I think really need to be made. Hmm. What have you seen as the uh, positive impact on people's personal brands as a result of uh, incorporating a social uh, entrepreneurship component into what they do? 
What a beautiful question, you know, because I think a lot of the concern is always like, it's better to keep my mouth shut, right? And this will damage my brand. And what I have seen, and it's so cool to watch, is the loyalty is unbelievable. When people decide to stand up for one thing or another, the loyalty that comes out when people say, thank you for speaking up on this, or thank you for letting me know that I'm safe in your community, or thank, you know, I'm so grateful that you said something because I feel like no one else is, is talking about this. You know, you might alienate some people, some people who either don't agree with you or who think you shouldn't use your business in this way. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But what I have witnessed is people are rallying behind businesses who decide to step up and, and stand up for something that is important to them. It's like an extension of their why. Like we all know, Simon says, People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And I think saying, hey, I deeply care about domestic violence because I used to be a victim and I'm, you know, I'm raising money for this or I'm speaking out this month because of that or I'm doing, you know, I just want everyone to know that if they know someone who's doing dealing with this, this is how you engage with that person to help them. I think what you're seeing, what I am seeing is that the community, the clients, the customers, the fan base is saying, thank you, you know, thank you for standing up and in a space where, you know, you could risk parts of your brand or maybe your bottom line. But what we're seeing is obviously the contrary is that people are actually doing better. The conscious businesses are outperforming, like I said, in a lot of ways, and according to a lot of different studies and the, the rallying behind a brand that people were already following because of a personal attachment, right? That's almost by definition what a personal brand is. They're in some way attached to this this person of this brand, whether it's because they're looking for inspiration, guidance, maybe they want to be like them for some reason, maybe they really value their products or their services, you know, and I think, I think there's such an incredible opportunity to say, Hey, this is what I believe. And this is why I believe it. And here's what I'm doing about it. And if you want to get involved, I invite you to X, Y, or Z. What I have witnessed and what we are seeing is just this, this immense brand loyalty, I guess is the best way to put it. Hmm. Wow. Um, well, this has been incredible. So I have one final question for you, which I know you've heard me ask. Um, what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Yes, of course. That's a good question. So I think it comes back to when I talk about living intentionally and actively participating in designing a life that is in alignment with your unique values and priorities. I think when you meet a person who is in fact living that way, when you can tell they're not worried about what other people think, they're really content or overly excited about their circumstance, about their projects they're working on, about how they show up in the world and who they are and what's important to them. And you can hear that in the way they show up and the way they behave and the way they conduct themselves. To me, that's truly unmistakable. To me, that makes somebody really memorable when people are, you know, saying things that maybe the average person isn't saying or doing things that are kind of outside of the box and truly living and, and showing up in a way that is uniquely in alignment with what's important to them versus social convenience or this, what I'm supposed to be doing thing to me, that truly makes somebody unmistakable. Awesome. Uh, where can people find out more about you and your work? Oh, that's such a good question. So um, the best way to find out more about what I'm doing is I have a really fun podcast. It's called Beyond Business, where I'm interviewing personal brands and conscious companies that are, in fact, using their platform to advance solutions to environmental and social issues. And that's pretty much everywhere that you can uh, that you can find a podcast and the best way to learn more about what I'm up to and the services that I'm offering for conscious consulting is my website, which is just kathleenventura.com. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that, and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.